0: You unlock this door with a key of imagination. Beyond it is another dimension, a dimension of touch, a dimension of smell, a dimension of taste, You're moving into a land of both magma and lava, of theories and hypotheses you've just crossed into, the geology zone. (laughs) We thought that this would be an appropriate start to our spookiest of episodes. The spooktacular. Sedimentary major, the (laughs) spooktacular. The one and only spooktacular, probably. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you never know maybe there'll be another one in case you weren't sure you're listening to it's Sedimentary idea a podcast about all things geology and i'm your host ellen and i'm jane what are we talking about today other than uh, the topic of spookiness
1: spooky <laughs> we're talking about spooky minerals Ooh. Ooh. this is obviously a celebration for our uh our halloween week um and I say week because we're posting it on the week of Halloween, Thursday. not the day of Halloween. Correct. So, <laughs> so it's the Halloween week. Spectacular. But it's spooky season. Yeah, it is yeah. a spooky season. We're all we're all ready for our spooks. Um, I hope you are all are
0: too, because we're gonna um we're gonna spook it up today. We've gone past just the point of pumpkin spice into full spooky season. <laughs> um, we've almost come full Christmas. It's the real problem, <laughs> but. Yes. <laughs> on On an exciting note, we got our first responses from some of our listeners. Yay! Yay!
1: Claps to you guys. Yes. So the first person I want to shout out is we got a message um, on Instagram from Pedro, and he said that he was thinking about studying geology and was enjoying listening to our podcast. woo So I hope you
0: enjoy going into geology as much as I did. Hope you enjoy school <laughs> as much as I did. <laughs> it had nothing to do with geology, but you know. <laughs> also Solar slaves who writes the music for our podcast let us know that his favorite mineral is granodiorite. Yes, granodiorite.
1: Woo! So I just because he mentioned it's his favorite I figured I might as well go ahead and talk about it. Yeah, tell us about about granodiorite. So, granodiorite is a igneous rock. So that means it comes from um, It was forged
0: in fire just like the One Ring.
1: You are absolutely correct. <laughs> that is a very um proper use of a Lord of the Rings reference
0: and I appreciate you for it. So, Granite diorite is very. similar Is it too to... many too many pop culture references in one episode? We already had two in the first like five minutes. So. No, it made me internally chuckle. So it must be good.
1: <laughs> it's probably fine. But so we
0: have granite diorite, which is it's very similar to granite,
1: which I think a lot of people have seen. You know pictures of granite before, yes. whether they were real or fake countertops. A lot of people have probably seen <laughs> granite, and they're rocks. They're not minerals. They're rocks. But both of these rocks are formed intrusively. Which means that they are formed when magma cools slowly but underneath the earth's surface rather than being blown out of a volcano. Oh. Which would, that would be extrusive.
0: <laughs> intrusive oh, is intrusive. Not like intrusive like, like penetrating, but not yes. not extruded. I yes, not now. extruded.
1: Intrusive. A lot of times it'll be something called a Pluton, which a lot you can kind of imagine is like a kind of like an internal bubble underneath the Earth's surface okay. where it cools down in kind of a dome shape. All right. And a lot of times the crystals Depending on what height they are in the dome and then what content, what the mineral content it is of the magma, uh, you will get different types of rocks and also you'll get different cooling rates because they cool, the crystals will cool at different temperatures. Hmm. But we know that these cool very slowly because this particular type of rock has a phaneritic texture. So phaneritic, P-H-A-N-E-R-I-T-I-C. I could tell by your face. You didn't There's understand what P. I was talking about.
0: I get it. Yeah. So phaneritic
1: <laughs> means that all of the, the grains, uh, all the crystals that are within this rock are fairly uniform. They're about the same size. And they're pretty coarse, meaning that you can see the shapes of them with your naked eye. That means that it took a long time for those crystals to form mm. and that they cooled at such a steady rate. That's why they're all kind of uniform in size.
0: Mm. That's
1: so. Cool. The thing about granite diorite that's different from granite is that granite diorite actually contains more potassium feldspar, which gives them more of a pink color than granite. Oh,
0: um, I know that pink granite looks kind of pinkish.
1: Yeah. Um, some some granites some can bit. be more pinky and then some yeah. can be more white. Um, I think most, in my mind, I always think a classic granite looks kind of like a Dalmatian where it's white with black spots. <laughs> the black spots being more uh, magnesium-rich minerals, so they're darker oh. in color. The other thing about granite diorites is they actually have more of those darker colored minerals. They have more biotite mica and more amphiboles than granites do. So in general, not only will they be sometimes more of a pink color, sometimes they'll just be, they look like a granite, but darker. They have more of those darker minerals. Oh, cool. But granite's actually part of a a group of rocks that all are very similar to each other. But depending on what their exact chemical composition are, they are classified as different types of rocks. So that's Mm. why it's granite versus granite diorite but i think the coolest thing about granite diorite is that the earth's upper crust the average upper crust that you'll find on the earth is actually composed mainly of the same minerals in the same percentages that you find in granite diorite Hmm. so it's really cool it's very uh a very common rock to be able to be found cool so anyway, thanks Solar Slays. That was yeah, awesome. Thanks. We appreciate That's you, great. and if if anybody else is, we appreciate anybody, you
0: because you make beautiful music for our podcast. We appreciate that as well.
1: I appreciate the response, so I can talk more about rocks. But yeah, I, I, I also want. appreciate the music, so it was great. <laughs> but um, you know, check out—he's got a YouTube page. You guys can always check that out. It's yes. excellent.
0: there's a credit at the end of our episodes.
1: Yes, and we have um, the other thing I was going to say is if anybody else has, you know, any if you want to tell know, us
0: about your favorite rock, we'll tell you about it.
1: Yeah, if if or I or mineral. Or maybe I'll be like, I don't know about it. I had to research it because it's cool and I didn't know anything about it. So,
0: or maybe I won't admit it. You never know. <laughs> I don't know anything about any of the rocks and I'm not afraid to admit it.
1: <laughs> so now that we've done kind of our, um, our intro here, I think it's time to get into the main spookiness. To get scurry? To get scurred. Wait, I have a question before we yes, start. Yes,
0: please. How did you decide what minerals and rocks are spooky?
1: Let me tell you, Ellen, through hours of research, <laughs> just kidding. I was like, what's scary about, about rocks and minerals? And the thing is, like, I guess the scary Well scariest... we talked
0: about wait, we talked about volcanoes last time, which was pretty scary. <laughs> I mean, you know, so that's but, the thing. So on is, top like, of that.
1: There's a lot of um there's a lot of environmental issues that can be scary because a lot of times they're just out of our control, you know, like volcanoes and floods mm. and
0: all of that. But, you know, like just the earth being the earth. Yeah, exactly. I mean. You know, there's there's things that
1: we consider scary and then there's things that, to me, are kind of like controllable scary. And one of the controllable scary things is not just putting stuff in your mouth. <laughs> so I decided to focus mainly on minerals that are um, toxic to humans, are poisonous. That's pretty spooky. the thing about rocks and minerals is that there's nothing really to be scared of of them unless you're like standing (laughs) under one and it falls (laughs) off a cliff. Under
0: like a big one.
1: (laughs) Yeah, or you drop it on your foot or something. Like they're not scary in general, you know. Mm -hmm. But really the main problems come from how they're mined or how human beings use them. Mm -hmm. So, you know, an easy example of that would be coal. Coal is an easy example of where the mining practices are pretty crummy and also the effects on humans are pretty crummy long term mm. for the people who do the mining. Good old black lung. We'll probably have an episode about that later I'm planning to do <laughs> brilliant planning to do a coal episode okay. um and talk about some specific coal instances but I think most people assume that a mineral itself isn't particularly dangerous mm. uh, or or a rock itself is not particularly dangerous you know when it's not being shot projectile style out of a volcano or something mm-hmm. yes. but <laughs> there are some that you should probably be handling with a caution.
0: So like all folktales, this is a cautionary tale? Is yeah, that basically. What you're
1: yes, <laughs> it is. It is basically a cautionary tale. And and frankly, most, I would say that most things in life, when taken in large quantity, are toxic. So, you know, there's always the adage, it's like you can't have too much of a good thing. You can have too much of a good thing, um, <laughs> absolutely. So, for example, water. Human beings, we absolutely need human humans need it to survive. We absolutely need it. But if your body retains too much water, it can kill you. Uh, It can straight up kill you. You'll be dead. And too Mm. much water intake, actually what it does is it actually upsets your electrolyte balances in the body.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. That is kind of important.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And so what happens is you don't have enough sodium uh, in your body. And and... your nerves can't function. (laughs) Yeah. Nerves, muscles. Not a big deal. Yeah. It's fine. Um, You also don't maintain a stable blood pressure. So there's been incidents where people have done contests where they're supposed to drink water and then like not urinate, and they have some people have accidentally died doing these like radio show contests where they just Why drink are we so much water. We're talking about geology. Anyway, so <laughs> so it's not I'm not trying to like scare people. The point is that too much of anything, even a good thing, can be a bad thing. Yes. So we have several minerals out there like halite halite is ingestible it's it's salt you know it's totally fine but i wouldn't suggest eating giant chunks of salt that'll also mess (laughs) up your your chemical balance and most minerals out there you can totally touch and handle you can even probably smell them you can probably you know put them on your skin the one major thing i would suggest about any minerals is i absolutely do not suggest swallowing a chunk of them that seems like a very (laughs) terrible idea Likely what happens is your stomach would not break down most minerals Mm -hmm. uh, that are available to you, and you could get an intestinal blockage. Exciting. Uh, even, Even if the mineral itself wasn't toxic to you, you could get an intestinal blockage. And an example of this is actually quartz. So quartz, a lot of people know it's very common. It's used to make glass. That's one of the common uses for it. It's found as sand on beaches. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times it's found in rivers because it just, it can stand up to the pounding of rivers and doesn't break down as completely as some other minerals Mm -hmm. do. So it's completely inert. You know, it's not toxic to humans in any way. But if you were to ingest it, and there are some actual new age medicines that suggest that you soak crystals in spring water and then ingest them and suggest that that's good for you to ingest. What? Uh, likely you will suffer, at best, internal bleeding would be my guess. And then at worst, you could die. So uh, don't eat anything that's not food. That will save you in the long run from anything that's toxic is by just not eating it. Um, So even though quartz itself is not, you know, a poison, it's not toxic to humans, you know, it's still something that I wouldn't consider edible. So please don't.
0: Mm -hmm. I can second that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, even though um, I would say most, most minerals are handleable by humans, they're okay to, you know, to breathe near. They're okay to put on your skin directly, have direct contact with your skin. Um, you can even probably put it near a mucous membrane and be fine, you know. So like, a, you know, near your mouth or near your eyes, it's probably fine. Or like rub your nose after touching them. But what we're going to do now is we are going to get into the minerals that are toxic when ingested. <laughs> cool. So they can either be ingested through breathing mm-hmm. or ingested by some of them long-term exposure through touch is also really bad Mm. some of them it's if you get it in like your drinking water is pretty horrendous Mm. so there's just different ways that it can be ingested and it's not the traditional just popping a rock in your mouth and swallowing it (laughs) so um so let's get into our toxic mineral family most minerals that i would consider and they believe science we consider that are highly toxic <laughs> to humans are found in what is called the sulfide group. So can you guess why they're called sulfides, Ellen? Because they have sulfur in them. Oh, my God. You the figured genius. it out. I'm, I'm pleased that you figured that out. But basically, yeah, it's where you get sulfur. It combines with other, you know, metallic and semi-metallic elements and the chemical structure. And that's how you get these minerals. There is a special subgroup of these minerals that are called arsenicides. Can you guess why they're called arsenicides? (laughs)
0: Because they have arsenic
1: in them? They do. The arsenic (laughs) replaces the sulfur in the chemical formula. Oh,
0: cool. I mean, it's
1: fine. It's fine. So most sulfides have a metallic luster, meaning that they bounce light similarly to how metals do. So
0: Hmm.
1: in geology, it's a no-no to call things shiny. (laughs) But I would be inclined to call it shiny. Yeah, It has a a metallic sheen to it. And most are actually relatively soft for a rock uh or for a mineral i should say generally they range in hardness from about two and a half to three so for context Mm -hmm. a hardness of 2.5 on the most scales of hardness is the same hardness as a human fingernail so you can imagine that it's scratchable with a human fingernail breakable and a a copper penny has a hardness of about 3.5 so most of these minerals not all of them but most of them can be scratched if you have a penny you can scratch the surface of them Mm. Almost all of them have highly symmetrical crystals, Hmm. meaning that they have very ordered crystal structures that present as twinning. (laughs) The term twinning means that you have two separate mineral crystals that actually grow together and they're symmetrical to each other. So it doesn't necessarily mean that they perfectly mirror each other, but they'll have, if you can imagine you have one mineral and then you have another mineral inside it, but it's rotated in such a way, but it still aligns perfectly. Like if you rotated it back to to the starting point, it would align perfectly with the mineral it's twinning with.
0: So you're saying, oh, so like there's two, There, well, I mean, there's multiple crystals in the substance, but you're saying like the crystals, they're basically like perfectly, they're
1: perfectly aligned in a, in some sort of symmetrical fashion. So it doesn't necessarily have to be in exact, it kind of. Kind of like looking at an NC Escher painting <laughs> when you look at them. Yeah, they're so really like, cool. Yeah, though. they're like
0: the same like shape, but they might be a different orientation.
1: Correct. Of or whatever. That's exactly what it is. And they okay. always have some sort of touching point. So they may be through each other or they may be side by side, like a oh. book, you know, or mm-hmm. they may. That's be... what I imagined
0: when you described it. Like they're perfectly side by side. But... That's possible, but that's not always. Oh, interesting.
1: Sometimes they grow basically within each other and they're rotated. Um, oh. Pyrite does that a lot. It's pretty common for doing that. Mm. But. The technical definition of twinning is sharing crystal lattice points in a symmetrical manner, and I was like, "I don't explain this." When you say lattice, it makes me think of (laughs) pie. But yeah, it gets complicated because it's not—we're not just imagining a mirror in a two D phenomenon. Right, it's it's not two D; it's three D. It's a (laughs) three D phenomenon,
0: so it just gets complicated. But anyway, the point is, uh, they look. Are you saying they're basically, essentially, highly symmetrical? Throughout, I guess, yeah. and they yeah. look
1: really cool, and they look really cool, particularly under a petrographic my- microscope. So, Ooh, fancy. Do recommend if you want to check them out under a microscope. <laughs> you can even Google. In fact, I'll make Ellen Google this. Google, like twinning section, and then Google plaid twinning
0: plagioclase. Google that. Twinning. P L A G I O C L A S E. Plagioclase. Yeah. I, tartan. Twining yeah, tartan tartan twinning.
1: So if you're looking at the thin sections, you can see Ooh, that it does the, look like, when
0: you, like tartan or
1: plaid. Yeah, it looks like a tartan pattern. It looks like plaid um, because of when you get twinning, you get really interesting optical properties of the minerals, because mm-hmm. when you when your minerals, when your crystals are twinned like that, it forces the light to bounce around a bunch more times. Mm-hmm. So you end up getting what looks like stripe patterns or yeah. plaid patterns in the mineral where you have, you know, dead zones where light is not passing through and then really light zones where the light oh. is passing through. So it's just an interesting way of viewing these particular types of crystals is with a microscope specifically. So if you're interested, I would say, you know, you can look up rocks twinning or like minerals twinning, but particularly looking at the, the microscope thin sections, I think is the most interesting.
0: Yeah. It looks like, have you seen... Jane, have you seen... Oh, no, we talked about this before. You haven't seen Interstellar. We ta- no. I made a reference to Interstellar on our, our episode about the ocean being insane on the Earth. No, I have not seen
1: it. I'm sorry, I don't understand your references.
0: For anyone who has seen Interstellar, the pattern looks like uh, when he's in the Tesseract. It kind of looks like that. Jane, does... <laughs> this is between me and the audience. Jane's not included. Also, maybe you should go watch Interstellar so I can keep making references since the second uh, time.
1: You'll have to remind me so I can remember to do it. <laughs> So anyway, sulfides are aside from being highly symmetrical, they are formed in hydrothermal vents. Hydrothermal kay. vents are fissures or openings along the seafloor where geothermally heated water comes from, and it's issuing from you know deep crust or top of the mantle. And what it these are usually found around hotspots or like spreading centers. Mm. So for example, the Mid Atlantic Ridge is a spreading center we talked about. Yes. And which are, of course, some of the deeper parts of the ocean. Obviously, Mm -hmm. because it's the seafloor.
0: It's where all the like weird animals are that live near the hydrothermal vents. Absolutely, like those crabs that are fuzzy, the long things.
1: Yeah, the noodles.
0: They're They're worms,
1: but they're worms. (laughs) But ocean noodles, I think, is a more appropriate term for them. But anyway, our mantle contains a lot of the heavy metal elements melted into it, so iron, nickel, cobalt things of that nature. And so when they are released from the mantle as particulates in the geothermally heated water, Mm -hmm. they precipitate out of solution and solidify on the ocean floor. So they can solidify as minerals or eventually turn into rocks. Uh, There's various different ways that they get extruded, but that's where we get most of our heavy metals that are on earth from. They're tube worms, by the way.
0: Two worms. I, I knew step. they were worms. I was like, I knew, I know, I can see, imagine the photos. They should have just been called noodle worms. Yeah. I-M-H-O. I agree. Anyway, back to what you're saying. Sulfides are incredibly useful to humans. Interesting.
1: Because, I mean, despite how toxic they are to us. I was going
0: to say, int- useful and deadly. Yes.
1: Very useful for humans, despite how toxic they are, because they are incredibly important ore rocks. Oh. So, an ore rock is a type of rock that we get. We mine to collect metals from, mm-hmm. or sometimes not just metals, but in general, it's usually associated with metals. Like
0: ore is just like a raw material that you can extract something correct. out of by processing it. Yeah, correct. Usually metals, but sulfides are
1: commonly sulfur that's combined with things like lead, zinc, iron, and copper. So they're mm-hmm. all metals that we use daily. as All humans. useful things, yes. You know, copper is a lot of times in our piping. Uh, electronics,
0: yeah. All of these are in our electronics. Zinc, we eat that.
1: Iron, we use that for driving <laughs> our cars, and lead too. You know, they're all incredibly important to us. But obviously, you're not going to go around just putting lead in your mouth. You know what I mean? Like you're not going to just. You really lead. shouldn't do that. <laughs> Strongly recommend don't do that. So the problem with sulfides is not just that they themselves can be toxic to us; is that the mining of sulfides is incredibly dirty. And by the term "dirty," I mean that it creates a lot of waste products hmm. that are very poor for the environment. Hmm. So I was reading a paper recently by the Minnesota Environmental Partnership. It was quoting a, a letter written by the chief of the U.S. Department of Agriculture's Forest Service. Hmm. Uh, Thomas Tild- Tidwell was the one who wrote a paper for them, or excuse me, a, a letter for them. And basically in this paper I was reading, they commented that there is no known sulfide mine that has not polluted local lakes, rivers, or groundwater, Wow, and it's because the practices for for mining sulfide are are different from mining uh other types of iron ores mm. and it's and it's also it's more difficult to keep the site clean, um uh, mm. which I'll explain in a second, but uh, even though you know it may not be every single mine, I know that this is what i this Minnesota environmental partnership said mm-hmm. it was every
0: single mine. you're not saying that sulfide. it's every mine. But I'm saying Thomas Sewell
1: said that. I'm. I'm inclined. It's to every believe, mine. <laughs> I'm inclined to believe that if the U.S. Department of Agriculture's Forest Service, the chief of that yes. department, is saying that, I'm kind of inclined to believe it. But I, you know, I'll give the benefit of the doubt. But I know for a fact that most of them are incredibly dirty.
0: Mm-hmm. The
1: main problem is that when sulfides become exposed to weathering, so that means usually what happens is when you're doing sulfide mining, it's either a underground mine or it's a pit mine an open pit mine Mm -hmm. and the best kind of mines yes open pit mining is is most common the byproduct of these sulfide minerals weathering so being exposed to you know air and water stuff because it's an open pit it's sulfuric acid that is the byproduct it creates sulfuric acid that's a big yikes it's not okay we learned about this in my economic minerals class and i was like whoa (laughs) (laughs) it was a problem (laughs) like i think i i let, literally made a Hank hill Whoa! noise when i heard it the first time <laughs> and he showed us this diagram that's
0: my eyes are huge i don't nobody can see but my eyes are wide super wide they had a a protection diagram that
1: they had given to us where it was essentially a triangle of all the the three things that are needed to create this sulfuric acid one of them was the sulfides one was like oxygen and one was like water something i can't yeah. remember so that's right. bad enough But also generally when they're smelting sulfide ores to get the metals that we want out of it, Mm -hmm. the mining companies use coal and the combustion of coal of these products creates sulfurous fumes Mm -hmm. that then react together and form acid rain. So not only do you have Mm. sulfuric acid just spilling out of the dang mine, you also just have acid rain falling from the towers as they're
0: smelting these things. Wait, 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 wait. It's actually actively creating acid rain. Yes, it's at actively, the mine. Yes, while well, they're
1: while they're smelting the. While I thought you were like, the... and then
0: the like particulates get released into the atmosphere. And no, there's maybe an increased percentage of acid rain in the area. No, it's like actively no. happening. Yeah. Oh, it's fun. And I don't know anything Sometimes. about mining. I mean, some I know some, the difference between like a pit mine and a strip mine, but
1: <laughs> some some mines are different than others. There's right. less exposure that would happen at an underground mine just because you have less open air to right. expose it. But when they say that every single, basically, what happens is you get sulfuric acid dripping into lakes nearby mm-hmm. and just destroying the environment nearby. Not to mention when that water gets evaporated and then brought back into the atmosphere, and you get more acid rain right now that way. Mm-hmm. But
0: that so, was what I thought you meant. Not like yeah, okay. <laughs> so that is spooky.
1: So not I was only say are that's these, scary. Yeah, I was like, right. <laughs> scary because they can hurt us but they're also scary because their mining can hurt us. Yeah. and it's a problem. and it's a problem mainly because we also need these minerals. We use these minerals every day. So, you know, working to find safe practices I think would be the best option, but as of yet apparently there have been no mining sites without problems. So, that's unfortunate. Something to consider in the future, but I'm I'm not we're not here to get cut off in mining practices. We'll probably do a mining practices episode another time. But it's, it's a problem when you need an ore mineral but simultaneously ignore environmental consequences when you're mm-hmm. trying to mine it. And there are several times where we have those kinds of not so safe practices occurring in our mm. mining industry. But now that we've had that, I'll get off my soapbox and then we'll get into the <laughs> – I'll get off my soapbox and we'll get into the you're good right. part, into my good part. The minerals themselves. There's spooky. Okay, so before we start diving deep into our main topic today, I did want to give a little disclaimer about the subject that we're going to discuss. Um, it's about several different minerals. We're specifically mentioning a group called sulfide minerals, which we'll talk about in a minute. These minerals are dangerous to human health, and we do not recommend that you handle them outside of lab conditions. Now, if you end up having samples at home or you know someone who knows how to properly handle these minerals, you know, you reserve the right to do what you do with your life. But uh, I would recommend that you either work with someone who knows how to handle them safely or you work with them only in a lab setting where you can be insured to be safe. Just remember that, these minerals are not necessarily good for you. They're certainly not good to ingest, which we'll mention. They're not good to inhale. And extended contact is not good for humans either. And we'll discuss the consequences of those things later on. First up on our list, I have a list of several spooky minerals. And there are more than what I'm listing here. I'm just naming some of the more common ones that you might encounter in the wild or, you know, at a mineral show. Mm-hmm. So, at <laughs> a <laughs> the wild of a mineral this is show. So you don't lick anything in a mineral show just to remind you? I mean don't. they just have in like general, no licking don't.
0: signs at the mineral they show. They don't, you know, but I would like... just
1: say in general a rule of thumb is to not <laughs> lick anything. This is a without, common if it can't theme. give you if it can't give you its permission, probably don't lick it, you <laughs> know. Just this is a good a... <laughs> good concept to have.
0: Somehow this has become a common theme on this podcast <laughs> is about not licking things.
1: <laughs> well, you know, it's just a good rule of thumb. So we have our first mineral, our first contender is galena, which I think Ellen has probably heard of before. Yes. I <laughs> was a very it sounds, Maybe yes.
0: It sounds familiar. So probably if
1: she looked up a picture she would recognize it, but galena has the chemical for- formula PbS. So that means that it's a lead, lead. sulfide, yeah. correct? So you can That's guess why happening. it's toxic to us. And there's lead in it. Mm, don't eat it. <laughs> So this is a very common lead ore mineral. It forms in really cool looking cubes. It's fantastic. Does they're, look cool. Looking of, at it, they're a more Wikipedia kind of know. Like, right they're kind of more like rectangular prisms. Like they're thick. They're thick boys. You know, they're not like perfect cubes. Yeah, it doesn't pyrite, look like, cube like cubes like yeah, pyrite. Yeah, it
0: doesn't look like that. It just looks chunky though. You're right. Yeah, the other thing about galena in is that it's heavy
1: AF. Like well, it has lead, if you, right? So it's exactly. Very dense. So it's very dense. It has a high specific gravity. Is the term we use for heavy? I call it heavy in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um. And it's beautiful. It's got this metallic, m- bright metallic luster. So it shines, you know, like a, anything metal. It's possible to handle galena safely. I have a sample of galena. The thing is, you do not want to breathe any of the powdered form of galena. You certainly don't want to eat it. <laughs> you certainly don't want to throw it.
0: Throwing rocks is also dangerous. So if you don't
1: feel comfortable with taking a risk with a mineral like that, I would suggest only handling it inside of a lab. But if you know what you're doing, you should be fine. If you do have a sample of galena, be aware that galena scratches rather easily. It's a fairly soft mineral, so you need to be careful about not creating any dust form of galena because you do not want to inhale that because it's lead dust.
0: Sounds it's pretty. Gross. Your lungs will not be happy with you,
1: <laughs> so strongly do not recommend doing that. But other than that, it's it's safe to have on a shelf if you feel comfortable with taking that kind of risk. Obviously, I did. <laughs> since you have it yes and it's scary because lead is toxic to humans other than that though i would mm-hmm. say it's it's very low on the spook scale if we're gonna rate these on spookiness
0: <laughs> from you know? one to really extremely spooky
1: yeah from one to running away scooby-doo style i would say that it's it's really not anywhere near that
0: <laughs> so from one to like zoinks yeah
1: from one to zoinks i would say that's nowhere even close <laughs> we're not even getting to to the let's split up gang point you know it's just yeah. that's it. So the next mineral I want to talk about is
0: cinnabar. Oh, which, I have heard of cinnabar for sure. Yeah, you have. And I I love cinnabar. I feel like I have heard of galena, though. I mean, anyway, it's... Fine. I think you have. My sample is actually from
1: Joplin, Missouri, which is also nice. So I was thinking about trying to see if there's a galena mine near me. Oh, it's local. Yeah, my, my sample is local to me. So cinnabar has a chemical formula of HGS, which Ellen still remembers, I'm sure, from Mercury her... Yeah, by? HG is mercury, so... It took me a second though.
0: I was like, what is that?
1: To be fair, it's been a long time since I had chemistry either, and I would not (laughs) have been upset if it took you a minute. (laughs) So, Cinnabar, it stinks because Cinnabar is gorgeous. Mm -hmm. It's like the most gorgeous thing ever. It it has this incredible scarlet color. Crimson colored, yeah. Yeah, they like it's crimson. Yeah, they call it, they actually list it as scarlet in books, which I think is amazing. Sometimes they can be more of a, you know, like a dull. Brown red sort of color, but a lot of times it's just beautiful. It's like a really bright red color. Um, It forms in tabular crystals, which look like the, uh, well, the technical definition is a pad of paper, but nowadays it looks kind of like a tablet, honestly. It looks like, you know, your tablet in your home. Um, Or sometimes they'll form rhombohedral crystals, which is like a rhombus shape, or they'll form form, uh, prismatic crystals. And they, they commonly have twinning, which is also nice they are they can have an adamantine or a submetallic or a dull luster. So adamantine is like the, that's the word we use when it's not shiny. We're not allowed to say shiny so we say adamantine. But uh, Wait, when it's not shiny or when it is shiny? When it is shiny. When it's okay. when it's not shiny we call it dull, so it's a dull luster. And then when it's adamantine it's that's shiny. The, that's the term we use for the most brilliant shine that you would get.
0: What's an example of a shiny mineral that we would know? Diamond. Diamond okay. is, has an adamantine, adamantine.
1: Yeah. Or quartz would have an adamantine luster.
0: Yeah, I guess it does. Okay. The thing is a lot of
1: time with gems. So well like you mean yeah, an uncut an uncut diamond exactly. would still be shiny. Yes. Yes. So a lot of a lot of cut gems end up with an adamantine luster, but it's because they're faceted in such a way to bounce light more. Mm-hmm. Regularly, you know, make them look
0: better. It's very pretty. I'm looking at how red it is on Wikipedia right now. I love it. I love it. I don't actually have a sample of it. I this don't think is... you should. It's fine.
1: Cinnabar it's forms fine. with uh, real gar, which we're going to talk about later. And it also forms with pyrite. So it <gasps> pyrite. forms in hydrothermal veins, but it also forms around hot springs, which I think is really interesting.
0: Cool. Because again, well you, you have... did say that you need to have that hydrothermal energy. To, yeah, I guess. You need but... to have heated water. Yeah, to form these full things. full of metals. Yeah,
1: exactly. Bits so of metal. the thing about Cinnabar is that this is one that I would recommend not handling because m- mercury, in particular, mm. is can be absorbed through human skin. It'll go straight through your skin. Definitely would not <laughs> recommend putting it into your mouth, would not recommend sticking it up your nose or in your ears no, or anywhere else, good. any other crevices you have. I would not recommend <laughs> putting them in there. Um, you know, it just seems like a bad idea. Yes. Yes. So that's, that's cinnabar. Okay, so let's go to our next mineral as we move away from metals into semi-metals. So this one is arsenopyrite. So arsenopyrite is F-E-A-S-S as the chemical formula. So do you know what A-S is?
0: Uh, is that arsenic? No, no. Yeah, no. yes, yeah. you're yeah. right
1: because it's arsenopyrite. yeah, So yeah, it's, yeah. it's iron, arsenic, and sulfur combined together to make this beautiful, beautiful piece of stone and this beautiful, beautiful piece of mineral. And <laughs> speaking of pyrite, pyrite is also yeah. technically technically toxic if you swallowed it. Oh, cool. Because it's, uh, you know, it's an iron sulfide. It's
0: good thing they were selling it to children in those, like, Discovery Channel stores. Almost like,
1: Swallow It. So, you know, it's it's less worry, worrisome than arsenopyrite, which, as the name implies, has arsenic in it, and we talked mm-hmm. about that. But, you know, we, I would still recommend, you know, not licking it.
0: hmm Just pro tip. Don't lick it. Anything. It looks pretty cool, too. I'm looking at it.
1: So, yeah, we have, arsenopyrite is, to me, I think it's pretty cool. It a lot of times has really pretty twinned prismatic crystals. It's typically kind of a silver white color, but when you expose it to weathering, it actually tarnishes Mm -hmm. and it tarnishes to kind of like a pink, sometimes a brown or a copper color. Oh. And the other thing is with the tarnish, it also gets kind of this, this iridescent oily sheen to it too. So it looks really cool. Hmm calcopyrite also has kind of an oily sheen to it, which I think is really interesting. It's related. It's not the
0: same, obviously. When you say related. oily sheen, you mean like rainbowy kind of sheen, basically. Yeah,
1: yes, exactly. Like an yeah. oil slick that you would see. Yeah. It's a rainbowy kind of, it's a. you get a lot of light bouncing around and you make this beautiful rainbow. <laughs> it's opaque, meaning you can't see through it. It's like like pyrite is. Mm-hmm. And it has a metallic luster. So it looks kind of like metal. Um and it's actually what's interesting, it's actually one of the harder sulfides. So most of the sulfides I said were pretty soft and pe- mm-hmm. could be scratched with a penny. This one actually has a hardness of five and a half or six, which is more like glass. Glass has a hardness. Hmm. Okay. Uh, closer to that. So so breakable but much harder to break. Correct. I mean, you know, most things are okay. much are
0: breakable. <laughs> scratchable. Um, Unless you're a diamond. Yeah. And
1: it can be found in hydrothermal vents. That's a common theme. All of these can be found in hydrothermal vents. Mm-hmm. But arsenopyrite can also be found in metamorphic rocks, some metamorphic rocks. Hmm. And then also in some basic igneous rocks. And not like Yo, your basic igneous (laughs) rocks, like alkaline igneous rocks.
0: What would those be? Can you give an example of one that we would know? So not the kind of igneous rocks that are, yeah, that are drinking pumpkin spice lattes day (laughs) in and day out, eating avocado toast and going to hot yoga. Exactly. So, yeah, you know, I can give you some basic rocks. So some basic rocks
1: include gabbro and dolerite and basalt. So those are all... basalt. I know basalt. Yes, they're all poor... They're silica poor. They're rich in magnesium and iron. So that would be an example of a basic rock. Okay.
0: But not, they, they also drink PSLs. Um, <laughs> Basalt definitely drinks pumpkin spice lattes on the way.
1: <laughs> okay. So that's it for um, arsenopyrite. So I'm glad that you like pyrite over arsenopyrite. But... Yeah, me so, too. So some more excitement. The next one we're going to talk about is cobaltite. 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 Can you imagine what is in cobaltite to call it cobaltite? Cobalt? <laughs> yes, it has cobalt. So the, the chemical formula is CO, cobalt, A-S-S. So not cobalt only have, arsenic yes, so does, not only does it have cobalt, metals. which is dangerous for human beings, you can actually get cobalt poisoning, really? essentially. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, there was a case. I was looking it up on Wikipedia. There was actually a case where in Quebec,
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: this was like in the 1960s, August 1960s. A person went to the hospital in Quebec City with symptoms of alcohol cardiomyopathy. By the way, I'm reading this directly from Wikipedia. So if you ever, if you go to the Wikipedia page oh, of cobalt poisoning. Oh,
0: yes. So uh, heart attack, alcohol-induced and heart attack. over the next
1: eight months, 50 more cases similar to this what? appeared in the area, 23 of these being fatal. And it was noted oh. that all were heavy drinkers and they mostly drank a beer that they preferred a specific brand called Dow Brand. Um, and 30 of those drank, they drank a ton, I think more than six or six liters. So 12 pints of beer a Ooh. day for us Americans. Yeah, that's a lot. So an epidemiologist studied it and found that dog. People
0: in America know what a two liter bottle is. I mean. <laughs> that's three of
1: those a day. No, that's, yeah, that is three of those a That's a lot. you <laughs> right. It's a lot. It's, it's a l- lot. So much. <laughs> so, so they did a study on the beer and found out that they had been adding cobalt sulfate. No. To the beer for foam stability what Since 1965 yeah july of no. 1965 is when they started doing it and august 1965 is when the first person died from it so um, well but how did they not test it i mean the thing is in small quantities it's fine <laughs> okay but these people were drinking a lot of beer yeah. so it was not fine for them but cool. yeah the concentrated added right. the concentration added in the quebec city brewery was 10 times that of the same beer brewed in montreal where there were no reported cases. So really, it was a case of too much of a good thing is a bad thing.
0: No, it was a case of someone adding <laughs> 10 times as much cobalt stuff to the yeah, beer. but they had
1: really stable foam, okay, Ellen? <laughs> the foam Everybody was likes a foamy stable. beer, Yeah, everybody said likes a good head on a beer, Ellen. No, nobody likes any <laughs> of those things. <laughs> so anyway, the point is, you can get poison from cobalt. Um, <laughs> and Great. this is another, you know, this is a common rock that's, you know, it's an ore rock to collect cobalt from. Um, it looks similar, I would say, to arsenopyrite. I don't know if Ellen's going to look it up and look at it with I'm me. I'm about to. Um, it also has a similar hardness. It's about five and a half. It's kind of this, uh, it, it
0: can looks have... chunky and gray. Yeah,
1: it does. It has ortho, no, it doesn't.
0: Yeah, it's yeah orthohombric. Orthombric?
1: Orthorhombic.
0: Yeah. It
1: has octahedral crystals or cubic, meaning that they, they look like they're cubes, but they're not quite right.
0: Yeah, there's like this uh photo on Wikipedia that's like a square-ish looking thing, rectangular-ish looking piece. They also commonly have what's called striations, so they look,
1: they look like little kind of like streak marks across that's the chunks. the tops of the you know the crystals themselves mm. on the faces of the crystals, and the color can range from kind of like a a grayish black kind of color to more of a, a silvery white-ish color. But really, it's kind of, to me, it almost looks kind of gold, like a like a tarnished gold kind of color. That's kind of always how I, I viewed
0: it. Yeah, um, it does look like, I would say it's kind of a, tar- oh, yeah, kind of like a fake gold. Kind of a tarnished color. fake gold color. Yes. Yeah. The cubic. generally grimy. The, like, whatever semi-cubic, I can't remember what you just said it was called, but. Pseudo. That, pseudo-cubic. A pseudo-cubic sample that's shown on Wikipedia looks like, um. If you had, had once had, it looks like a sci fi spaceship wall texture, like in the sense that it's like kind of gold ish, but it's super tarnished and like worn looking with yes. the striations because the striations. Yeah, because it has the, the, they look like scratches
1: essentially. So it's adding not a, scratches, a visual. But... No, you're your... totally, you're totally. Yeah, crazy. the stretches the they it. aren't scratches, but that's what it looks like, kind of. They're essentially it... like growth marks, if you think of it that way. Oh, that's cute, stretch marks. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, it is. They yeah, are. They're rock stretch marks. That's nice. Like <laughs> um, yeah, it's kind of this weird off gold kind of fake gold color. Cobaltite is also brass color.
1: opaque, which is the same as the arsenopyrite, so it doesn't, mm-hmm. you can't shine light through it, and it has a metallic luster, so it looks metallic, it looks mm-hmm. metally. It does look metally, but a lot of times you'll have weathered surfaces so they won't be it'll be more submetallic meaning it's not nearly as bright as you know a pure metallic shine would be Mm -hmm. so they do form in the hydrothermal vents they can be found with other arsenicides and sulfides okay so we'll move on to another one that i think is particularly interesting and i really think ellen should look this one up because this one's called orpiment Ooh, yes that's that's the proper noise you should make when you google orpiment so orpiment's chemical formula is as2s3 so So arsenic sulfur Yeah, arsenic two, sulfur three. Okay. And it actually has a very low hardness. It's only one and a half to two. So you can you can actually scratch it with your fingernails. Uh, don't recommend, since it has so
0: much arsenic <laughs> in it, I wouldn't recommend you taking your fingernails to it, but you can. There's a photo on Wikipedia of it on a dark streak plate, and it looks yeah. like chalk, like the amount that's kind of like come off. It has like a very, sense.
1: it has a very pale yellow streak, which yeah. you would see would it almost be white on a streak plate or like a gray kind of color. But the cool, it it really is like a very pale yellow. But the cool thing about this is that it looks like uh, mica. If you've ever seen mica, it looks very similar to it. It has a, these very thin sheets that are held together. They're cobbled together in an interesting pattern um, that makes it look kind of like a book. Mm. So it's like the pages of a book, but they are,
0: yeah. uh, So so for the people using Google right now looking at it, (laughs) There's a lot of, and Jane, who's probably not, but there's a lot of examples that are shown, like the top search examples have like very defined, well defined like crystal structures, crystal like structures. They
1: can, they can also form in other
0: types of structures
1: like columnar, which is like, you know, columned crystals. Yeah, pointy. But a lot of the, but it's also more commonly found, I think it's more commonly found in these, these book-like. These yeah, foliated. but I'm just saying like Foliated like a lot of... is the term they use. Oh, like foliated. A, yeah, foliated means book-like. So they're like a like a folio like a like a yeah. Shakespeare. So folio. there's
0: a lot of examples of that. It's just not the first result. So if you're looking at this, Jane's talking about some of the later results where you can see it's kind of like flaky looking. Yeah, sometimes they form crystals. Sometimes they just form in a big blob. It just depends
1: on their feeling. <laughs> um, you know, it just depends on their life. Rocks have a lot of feelings. They,
0: and they do. Minerals have a lot of feelings.
1: And I think the coolest thing about it is the color. So it's like this kind of like, it can be brown, kind of a brown yellow, but a lot of times it'll be this like shiny gold yellow It's kind of a like like, dandelion
0: yellow. Yeah, yeah
1: it's like really it's really bright. It's like a lot of times in books they describe it as like a lemon yellow color, but I would mm. think it's more of like a goldenrod, you know, to me,
0: yeah. Um, I mean, I'm fine with any of those three things we just said <laughs> lemon rod, dandelion, or I mean, sorry, called lemon rod, lemon <laughs> goldenrod, or dandelion.
1: The other thing about this is it has a luster that we haven't mentioned before. Mm. It's called either resinous, so it looks like resin. so like it does amber, look like that. or a lot of times they'll call. On the 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 broken surfaces, the cleavage surfaces, they mm-hmm. will call it pearly, so it looks like pearls. It's like opalescent, mm. and it's because of the way that the light is bouncing around,
0: yeah. So it's kind of like kind of cloudy looking, but still kind of shiny. Yeah, that's it still has that sh-
1: has that iridescent sheen, but I feel like
0: everybody knows what amber looks like. Yeah, I feel like mo- at least most people, I would say, know what yeah. amber looks like. This um, one photo it- of a sample here says toxic arsenic sulfate sulfide on it. So that's you know. yeah, that's
1: another thing. Uh, don't lick it. <laughs> it's another one that i recommend not handling because again it's arsenic and in fact it has extra arsenic because it's as2 but uh that's not really how it works i'm just joking but i'm just saying that it looks gorgeous it looks like shining gold <laughs> i wouldn't does. recommend touching it no it's probably a bad idea um so yeah that's all i want to say I, I think orpiment's really pretty but i i do it's pretty i, I like it i think it's gorgeous but i think that it's i didn't probably, know anything about this until today yeah, orpiment is really cool, but yeah, I, I didn't very... know about most of these until today. Or, orpiment is very cool, but also very toxic, so do not recommend. Cool. Engaging your senses except for maybe your eyes with it. But like from <laughs> far away, you know, like don't put your eyes on it. All right, cool. Okay. So, next up, next up that uh one more. I mean, there okay, here's the thing. There are many minerals that are within the sulfide group, but I think that I'm going to just this is just going to be the highlights of some of my some of the ones I think are most interesting and some of my favorites. Mm-hmm. And so this will be the last one for now. You know, it's then... your
0: podcast. Like, you can talk about whatever you want to talk about.
1: <laughs> it's your podcast. We can <laughs> talk what you want to. <laughs> so, but if you have, if you guys have any more recommended toxic or scary minerals, ooh, spooky, um, feel free to let us know and we can absolutely discuss it. Yeah, we can more. have spooky round too at some point. Absolutely. Sure. We can, I don't know. Maybe we can have scary turkey day or something. I don't know. <laughs> we'll figure <laughs> it out. But uh, the next one I want to talk about is real gar. So Realgar, the chemical formula is A, S, and then capital S. So just arsenic sulfide. It has a hardness of, again, one and a half to two. So it's very, very soft. soft. But I think the thing that's coolest about Realgar is the color.
0: Mm -hmm. Can you
1: describe this gorgeous color to me, Ellen? It's
0: like red, cherry. Okay, like imagine you got a cherry flavored lollipop. That's what it looks like. It is. It is. The it does have kind of a uh, like a unnatural red, pinkish red color. Yeah. It is.
1: It is that cherry colored cherry dye that red. you would see. It's like yeah. the color
0: of a maraschino cherry, yes. and it's also like lollipop. I think is a good way to describe it to imagine it because it also has that kind of like what I imagine you're gonna describe as a similar luster. Yeah. It's it's transparent, uh, to translucent. So that means
1: you can light like, can shine all the way through. it. You can see through it. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it does nice it does it look like something. It does look like candy. Don't eat it. It does look like candy, though. It does look like, yeah, it looks like hard candy. It really does. It looks like a jolly, like a looks like, jo- watermelon like a jolly jolly ring monster. pop. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I guess watermelon was pink. It's more like a cherry jolly cherry. It
0: looks like cherry candy. It
1: absolutely looks like it could be candy, so don't eat yeah, it. Yeah, don't eat um, it. It is these beautiful little short prismatic crystals, and it can also be found just in, like, blobs uh, or, you know, in just a big mass. It can be found that way, too. And it has a streak color that's, despite it being more of a bright red to an orange red color, its streak can actually range from more like a, a yellowy orange to an orange red. It's more of
0: an orange color than anything. I'm surprised. I mean, it still has sulfur in it and stuff. So. And the luster it that we described like for this It does look like candy. It's one. super <laughs> weirding me out. The more photos, I was like, man, this one really looks like candy. And then the more photos of it that I look at of it, the more I think it looks like candy. Why do you think I mentioned so many times in this podcast, don't, don't lick eat things, it. don't lick things, don't eat them, because they look
1: good. They look like yeah, they be edible. Yeah, but if I, I saw edible. a rock
0: like this in real life, I definitely wouldn't eat it.
1: <laughs> you don't know that. But if I told you it wasn't poisonous, you'd be like, oh, and I'm like, it's something you can eat. Mm, People have to find out the hard way that they were not edible, Ellen. <laughs> you can't just figure out. Hard, I know, we wouldn't, know,
0: wouldn't have salt way. if somebody hadn't figured out that halite was <laughs> edible. Yes. The other thing about real gar
1: is that it has a resinous to a greasy luster is usually how they describe it. Mm, So, I mean, we, we learned in class, we learned not only did we learn the shape of the crystals, which are called habits. Mm -hmm. There's like 50 of them. I'm not even joking. There's like 50 different habits and they're all, some of them are just so close to each other that you don't even know. You just hope for the best and swing and maybe a miss. You don't know. You just put it down on your lab sheet and hope for the best. And then luster is similar. There's probably like 10 really common ones, but, you know, there's so many more that are used. And uh, that's one thing that I have to get used to if you do take a mineral class is that they expect the nitty-gritty details when you are describing samples.
0: Hmm. So just
1: be mentally prepared to learn a bunch of vocabulary when you take a mineralogy class. That's all. So it also forms in hydrothermal vents. Surprise, surprise. And Mm -hmm. can be found around hot springs. And it is commonly found with orpiment and cool. stib- stibnite, which we didn't mention before, but stibnite is another sulfide mineral that I wasn't going to bother to bring up. <laughs> it can also be found with lead and or other minerals that have lead and silver and antimony in it. So I would say that we know as humans not to <laughs> just go around licking stuff. You know, we know that like that's not a good idea. Touching stuff, sure? putting up our noses. Like we learn that from a <laughs> young age that that's not an appropriate thing to do. Um, But, you know, in the past, we didn't have as good of knowledge about some of these, the properties of these minerals. And not only that, but we didn't have some of the knowledge of what they do to humans over time when they have contact with them. Mm. So we have um, many examples of where these minerals were used because they're so beautiful, were used for pigments or were used for makeup or were used for dyeing clothes or were used in other ways that made humans have contact with them in extended amounts that were really bad for them. Mm -hmm. So one of the most common uses for a lot of these particular minerals was for makeup. So, you know, nowadays we have makeup, we use safe pigments, oils, waxes, stuff like that. Obviously, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we have regulation committees to do that. But in ancient Egypt, they did not have regulation Uh-oh. committees. They just had a cool fashion trend to have crazy heavy eye eyeliner. Sh- <laughs> um, they weren't going cat eye, they were going like full black eye situation mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were all going through a golf phase, obviously. But <laughs> the pigments that they used to create these coal liners were actually this it's like this beautiful kind of black green sort of hue.
0: Hmm. Uh, they were made
1: with lead salts. Um, cool.
0: great. <laughs> there may be
1: a reason why most of them didn't live past 30, but <laughs> lead poisoning. Probably more than one, but yeah. Lead poisoning, you know, lead in large doses, um, and the reason why we don't have lead in paint in our houses anymore is because lead poisoning leads to, you know, convulsions, mental confusion, coma, and then eventually death. Hmm. So long-term, so that's those are high doses of lead. And then long-term low doses of lead reduce IQ, they reduce attention span, they impair growth. And they can damage your sensory perception, cool, so cool, your ability cool, to experience cool, cool. senses. Cool, so, cool, 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 so like cool. smell and taste and cool. hearing. Cool. So all those things
0: you need. <laughs> so just, it's not good.
1: And the thing is, the trend of using lead continued. For example, <laughs> Roman women were using lead, but they used it as foundation because it was making like a white pigment. So they were having really pale foundation. Oh, I,
0: but, I guess it does. But, make but not only white that,
1: pigment. it made their faces literally pale. Because they were sick from lead poisoning. (laughs) Yes. Romans did it. And then, you know, a lot of colonials also did this. And Mm -hmm. like pre-colonial times, uh, a lot of nobility, especially in Europe, decided, oh, that's a good idea. So I think a famous example that a lot of people know about is Queen Elizabeth I. So she used a mixture of lead and vinegar to make her complexion very light. And -hmm. the reason why she was really obsessed with her her skin because she had gotten smallpox and she didn't want anybody to know. Oh,
0: she was and covered the smallpox scars.
1: Yeah, exactly. So that's the thing is it actually like really, it fills in the cracks and mm-hmm. smooths your complexion, mm-hmm. but also it's lead.
0: Yeah. That's so the yes. problem. So the thing with is with... True foundation, yes. <laughs> she had
1: also lost a lot of her hair from having smallpox. Um, and so she that's why right? she always wore those crazy... Yeah, that's why she didn't have her natural hair. That was always oh. wigs. She always had crazy red wigs that she wore.
0: Mm.
1: Um, but I think also... Lead exposure can lead to, you know, your skin changing colors mm-hmm. and your teeth rotting and also your mm-hmm. hair falling out. So it probably helped contribute to her having poor skin and missing hair. So it's pretty sexy. So understand. good. But yeah, no, uh, she was a very famous example, though, of wearing that kind of makeup. Interesting. And in the US, there were these little tins that you could buy. This was in the 1800s, the late 19th century. There were these little tins that were uh, advertised in a newspaper. I can't remember which one. I'll have to look it up. National Geographic did two great articles about using deadly minerals. I'll probably oh. post links to them. I was yeah. going to ask Ellen to put Sending links the to links. them for everybody because they're fantastic. Um, and most of my information comes from this, even though I knew a lot of it before. I wanted to have like a reference. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that was advertised was complexion wafers to make your facial blemishes just disappear. So get rid of freckles, you know, worry lines, get all that. The way you got rid of them were through a box called the arsenic complexion wafer. <laughs> mm, um, arsenic
0: complexion <laughs> wafers. Which, uh,
1: you know, people knew was poisonous in Victorian times. When you
0: say wafer, was it like they ate it or they yeah. put it on their face? They, they ate it. it.
1: <laughs> they ingested it. They ingested no, arsenic. No. And people knew it was it was poisonous. What? But they were like, a little
0: is fine. That's true. By then there was like rad poison and stuff. No, they all knew. And they were like, a little is fine. It's fine. I you know your complexion is important. yes
1: it helps you look more ghostly than you already are because you're one step closer to for a long
0: time it was fashionable to have tv people thought it was like a cool hip artist disease so you know so anyway anyway uh
1: more importantly arsenic poisoning can induce vomiting uh abdominal pain brain swelling aka encephalitis uh bloody diarrhea no, thanks. I'm good. Oh, yeah, uh, that's
0: fine. My complexion is fine the way it is. But so there's also, it's not
1: just that there was killer makeup. There's also killer clothing. <laughs> so there's <Whoa>. another...
0: <laughs> so when you, if you didn't die in a unsupervised industrial accident, then... <laughs> in the 1800s? Yes.
1: <laughs> or from gangrene? Or, or TV. Just, or just a common cold, then yeah. welcome to clothes <laughs> that will hurt you. So Nat Geo also did another awesome article about this where they talked about some common uses of minerals that are dangerous to us that ended up being used for industrial purposes again as dyes or in other ways Mm -hmm. and uh it's not pretty as it's not good so there's a term that some people have probably heard before called mad as a hatter Mm -hmm. and it's debated whether this is actually related or not by scholars but some people believe it's because of the side effects that hat makers Dealt with because Mm -hmm. they used mercury to make hats in the 1800s, so they began to use mercury specifically to treat rabbit and hair fur, Hmm. and it was like, I think in like the early 1700s when this started, and then hats in the that were made in the 1800s that are still around, uh, you can test them and they still contain mercury, so we know that they Mm -hmm. were still doing it. So a lot of men's felt hats were made using. Hair and rabbit fur,
0: mm.
1: and to make the fur stick together to actually form the felt, the mm. hatters would brush it with mercury. So the thing is, is mm. mercury when inhaled it goes straight to your brain. Should have just That's used not wool. good. You get neurological system symptoms, and you know you get motor skill issues. Um, there was a term apparently for a hat making town in Danbury, Connecticut, that was known as the Danbury Shakes,
0: from oh, people no. trembling
1: from. Mercury, mercury issues. Oh, dear. There have been issues with mercury exposure in the environment. I'll talk about that another time. But, you know, we're similar. You get neurological symptoms from mercury exposure. Mm-hmm. Um, you can. And it also causes mental issues as well. So you get, like, paranoid. You can get, uh, you get like, your brain just doesn't function correctly anymore from overexposure to mercury. Mm. And you can have respiratory problems, you know, teeth problems. You don't live as long. All good things. Know, hard problems, all that. So apparently, though, according to this article, which I'm very inclined to believe, that these effects were documented, but
0: people just kind of viewed them as like, it's living and just did it anyway. <laughs> it's an which... <laughs> everyday hazard. Well, they weren't getting exactly. crushed by industrial accidents or whatever. All those other things that I mentioned, we mentioned before. The other thing is the mercury
1: poisoning only affected the hatters because once the people were wearing the hats they had actually put a liner over the you know the fabric on the inside of the yeah, hat and of the so hat. because they had the liner the men who you know purchased and wore the hats didn't have a problem it was only the people making them
0: mm-hmm.
1: so it never ended well, up being plus banned. like
0: once it's in the hat you're when you're wearing it you're probably not inhaling it but the dangerous the danger coming from inhaling the mercury yeah which mm-hmm. is what, what they were during the hat making process was much higher I think. <laughs> Yeah, and the the viewers can't see it, but was
1: just physically shaking her head. That just drives me crazy. <laughs> so the other thing they talked about this article, which I was aware of, was which I'm glad I was aware of actually, but was that arsenic was used in like everything, especially in Victorian <laughs> Britain. It was mm-hmm. used in everything. It was used for you know natural remedies. It was used in candles. It was used as a dye for wallpapers and curtains and clothing. Um, people used it to kill each other, you know, Mm, just all the classic Victorian information, you know, classic Victorian pastimes. Uh, and the thing about arsenic is when it is used as a dye, it actually makes things this really bright, beautiful green, which is why people really liked using it.
0: It's like lime green, isn't it? I feel like like I've seen It's like a really green
1: green. Um, and I think it was used in a lot of paints on houses
0: and stuff like that too. Arsenic dye. Yeah. It's like chartreuse lime green. Uh, Shields green is the term used apparently for
1: arsenic dye. This this arsenic green is they combined to make this crazy green. It wasn't just arsenic; they also combined copper uh, with the arsenic yeah. uh, to make this crazy green dye. And um, you know, there's plenty of incidences that have been recorded through time of people slowly dying from arsenic death. Mm-hmm. But you know, everybody was using it for everything. Wow. It's a and really beautiful color, though. <laughs> it was. The problem is, like, one of the worst ways that people would use it was they were using it as decorations for hair ornaments. So they would have, like, fake flowers. Yeah, I see that. In their hair. Yeah, because it's the cause... color
0: of, like, leaves, basically. They're using it to dye the green leaves and stuff and the fake flowers. And they would
1: cause, like, people to break out in rashes across yeah. their heads and Great. faces. It just seemed like a terrible idea. But I, the thing is, again, the, the people who had the worst trouble were the people who were manufacturing these objects because, or these, you know, these fashion icons, because they were the ones who were exposed to, you know, the dust and the fumes and, you know, the direct contact with the, the unstable, you know, undyed versions of these. Basically, I think that the people who manufactured and then the people who wore these kinds of minerals as makeup were the ones that were worst off because it's like direct contact with skin and, breathing it in with powder mm. or whatever. It's terrible. But yeah, there's. they gave a specific example of a 19-year-old flower maker, in, well, artificial flower maker named Matilda Schuer. In uh, 1861, her job involved dusting flowers with green arsenic-laced powder. She died a violent and colorful death. She convulsed, vomited, and foamed at the mouth. Her bile was green, and so were her no. fingernails and the whites of her eyes. No! An autopsy found arsenic in her stomach her liver, and her lungs
0: because
1: it accumulated there over time of her making these artificial flowers. So apparently at the time, um, the British Medical Journal wrote an article about arsenic-wearing women Uh and saying that women, quote, Carry in her skirts, poison enough to slay the whole of the admirers she has met <laughs> within half a dozen ballrooms, <laughs> which I thought was uh, pretty fantastic. And uh, the whole point of that was to kind of, you know, turn everyone's opinion against this beautiful shade of green.
0: I'm also but... reading this on Wikipedia. Some people believe that it, this played a role. Arsenic green played a role in Napoleon's death because one of the rooms in his home when he was exiled was painted bright green. And some people, so the cause of his death is generally believed to be stomach cancer and arsenic exposure can be linked Link to, to an increase. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely carcinoma, is. it says. Yes. Samples There's of his a... hair revealed significant amounts of arsenic. Yikes. It's a big yikes, man. Yes, uh, so great.
1: <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, I think the main takeaway here is, you know, now that we have modern technology, we can figure out what's considered toxic or, you know, deadly to us. And we have learned don't lick it. Uh, <laughs> don't leave it on your skin. Don't handle it excessively. Um, you know, small doses. Even though Victorian women thought that small doses of arsenic were great for their complexion, I would not recommend it. Um, but yeah, that would be... That's it. All That's all I had for our spoopy minerals for today. And I think, I think that shade were... of green
0: is appropriately spoopy, too. Actually. Yeah, the
1: shade of green is delightfully spoopy. Yeah. It's very... It looks dangerous. It's crazy because it's for like sure. all of these minerals. When we're looking at them, you know the bright red ones, they look dangerous. They look like something you shouldn't be touching. Yeah. And then you see yeah, this like green. crazy bright green. It doesn't look like something you should be touching. It's it looks lime like a, green. Like it looks like a dangerous green.
0: Yeah, <laughs> for sure. So that's all I. That's all I had for y'all today. Wow, I feel like I learned a lot about things that I shouldn't lick. <laughs> and I was definitely spooked by some of the things that you said. <laughs> so... There.
1: Mildly concerning.
0: Yeah, for sure. Just
1: watch your back in Victorian London. I'm gonna say. <laughs> Don't wear to a bright green a
0: dress in Victorian, the Victorian times. Be highly suspicious of any fur hats you find. <laughs> or any, any quote unquote medication.
1: Yeah. Any Victorian homes that have a bright green room in it maybe mm-hmm. be concerned. Uh, you know.
0: Stay out of Victorian times. Probably. It's probably yeah, for yeah, the best. I strongly
1: recommend if you, uh. You don't want to have a bad time.
0: Well, good. I, I feel like uh, sufficiently educated in the spookier side of minerals. Um. So like we said before at the top of the episode, if you want to tell us, uh, if you have a spooky mineral you want us to talk about, we can do spooky minerals part two, spooky rocks and minerals part two. Or, you know, if you have any other things you want to talk about, you know, we're happy to, yeah, happy to bring your, them up on the show. Your questions and whatnot. And also, like, if you still want to tell us about your favorite minerals, the, the it's not like the clock is ticking. I'd love to hear about your favorite rocks and minerals still. We would.
1: We really would. So, yes. you know, you're, we welcome your comments anytime.
0: Mm-hmm. So you can, to let us know about your comments, <laughs> you can send <laughs> to us a comment. You can send us a DM or tag us on Twitter at saidmydearpod. You can message us through our Instagram on pod. You can also send a message to our website, which is com, Or you can just send us an email at sedimentarypodcast.gmail.com. At so, Jane. Yes, Ellen. What are we going to talk about next time? I'm thinking next time we might talk about something that gives me the shimmy shakes. <laughs> Wait, so this this episode wasn't scary enough? It wasn't. Well, it was a little scary. It was a little spooky.
1: But yeah, I think I'm talking about something that shakes me all night long. <laughs> and that would be earthquakes
0: and their aftershocks. Oh, <laughs> we've kind of talked about earthquakes in the volcano episode, but this they're, would be a deep they're interrelated,
1: so that's why I thought I would bring it up and that's do true. and do earthquakes next um but they since they are related i think it's important that we you know kind of talk to them back to back
0: we already talked about fire in the sky now we need to talk about things that shake you all night long all night long yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) well that sounds exciting (laughs) thanks so much for listening y'all we'll see you next episode thank you for listening we'll see you next time
1: bye bye
0: happy halloween our sources for this episode are Killer Clothing Was All the Rage in the 19th Century by Becky Little for National Geographic, Arsenic Pills and Lead Foundation, The History of Toxic Makeup by Becky Little for National Geographic, and Smithsonian Handbooks, Rocks and Minerals by Chris Pellant. Music for It's Sedimentary, My Dear is provided by Solar Slays. You can find his music at youtube.com user slash ccful, S-E-A-S-E-A-F-U-L.
1: The fence are fissures or openings along the seafloor where holes? You- they are holes in the seafloor. They're openings. Okay. Fissures are openings in the seafloor, not the sea hole. What did you hear me say? <laughs> did I say hole?
0: No, no, I just thought you were being unnecessarily fancy. No.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm just stating the technical terms. So I could right. say holes mm-hmm. or holes in the seafloor. Yeah. There are holes in the bottom of the sea specifically. My role in this podcast is to make this um, <laughs> more approachable. There are holes in the bottom of the sea. In the sea? In the in sea? In the sea. Yeah. Uh-huh. There are holes there. in the
1: bottom there. of the sea? I've been told. Okay. <laughs> the point is though is that. There's
0: hydro. hydro- at thermos, these holes. I was like, yes.
1: at these holes in the bottom the of the fishers. sea, there's geothermally heated waters in the holes in
0: the bottom of the sea. He's going to say there's a in geothermally. The sea. In the sea.
1: <laughs> there's a hole in the bottom of the sea.
0: Is there like a rock in the geothermically heated water in the hole in the bottom of the sea? <laughs> yes.
1: No, there's there's chemical precipitates in the geothermally heated water in the hole in the bottom of the sea.
0: And there's a plankton on the geo there are no precipitates in the hole in the bottom of the sea. That was <laughs> oh, almost a sentence. <laughs> it's a lot of it's a lot of words for me to remember. Oh, <laughs> uh, I almost snorted. It's good. <laughs> so anyway. Anyway, okay. So there's hydrothermal vents uh, that are fissures in the ocean. That are in the
1: holes Uh in the bottom of the sea. Yep. We're going to have to cut all the hole in the bottom of the sea. I'm
0: going to put it at the end. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs)